Thank you for joining us again for another journey in Grace Broadcast. You may reach us at PastorEricND at gmail.com. Again, you may reach us by email at PastorEricND at gmail.com. Or you may write us at Pastor Eric at Post Office Box 4473, Marietta, Georgia, 30061. Now join us for today's broadcast. Today we're going to continue talking about no condemnation. And, to, and as we move forward, our title is Be Encouraged. Again, no condemnation, be encouraged. And to go back to our previous teaching, condemnation, an simple example of that is we know that buildings, uh, many buildings are condemned. And that condemn, condemnation of the building means it's not fit for use. And this condemnation can come again from, from friends, from family, from um, the outside world. It can even come from ourselves. And we as in the body of Christ or uh, new, as a new believer, even as someone who looking and searching for an answer today, I want you to know that Jesus Christ, as the scripture says in the book of John, he did not come to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. We all have the glorious opportunity to know Christ as Lord and as Savior and as King, knowing that if I allow him to come into my life and I serve him and, 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 and love him as he has loved us and showed his love by dying for us, then I too can walk in, 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 in encouragement. I can walk in love. I can walk in peace. I can walk in prosperity. All these things are mine. One of the things that can hinder me from walking in the blessings of God, that can, that can hinder me from walking in the authority of God, is walking in a spirit of condemnation. In other words, I'm unfit. I'm unworthy. None of us are worthy. If we look at us in the flesh, as, as other words, we're without Christ. Without Christ, none of us are worthy to receive from God. But with Christ, we receive his righteousness. For he took our sin and gave us his righteousness. It was the great exchange where Christ, who knew no sin, had no sin, did no sin, walked this earth, obeyed the commandments of God by uh, being born of a virgin, lived a sinful life, gave his life for us, laid down on a uh, cross, and then he did more than just uh, uh, suffering death for us, he took on all of our sins. And by him taking on our sins, we receive the reward of that by receiving eternal life and the ability now to walk in that which God intended from the, from the creation of the world when he created uh, Adam. Adam was designed, as we, again, as we talked in previous lessons, uh, the design for Adam was, the purpose for Adam was that he would walk in, in rulership. Adam was given the assignment of uh, being fruitful and multiplying and having dominion over the earth. So in other words, he was given more than just an assignment. He was given power and authority. But he lost that when Adam uh, gave up. He gave up that authority. By, and that's what I mean by lost it. He gave it up when he voluntarily disobeyed God by eating of the fruit of the tree. Eve was deceived, but Adam betrayed God by knowing the truth. And deciding within himself, I'd rather disobey God and be with this woman than to obey God and, 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 and do the things that he has commanded me to do. So now, let's go to, as we go into the teaching today, we're first going to start out in the book of Revelation 12.10. You can read that some other time. Revelation 12.10 talks about the accuser. And we know that's Satan, the very enemy of man. For his desire in the beginning was, 
And when he deceived Adam was to take his authority, knowing the love of God was so because God, because God gave him that authority and Satan took it from him. Satan knew that God was not going to come down. Uh, and he thought he didn't know the full plan of God. But he said, if I take this man's authority now, I can be like God. But he did not know the all knowing God, the all powerful God, the all wise God already had a plan in place. Scripture says in Revelation, he says that before the foundation of the world, Christ died for us. So God already knew that Christ had to come as a substitute. And that's what Jesus did. He came as the second Adam. And he came to, and, and, and again, I'll say it again, the most important gift for this entire world was the gift of Christ's life. But Revelation 12, 10 says, Therefore rejoice ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil is cast down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he has but a short time. And we, as we go back, it goes on to say, he is the accuser of the brethren. He accuses us before God night and day. Night and day, he, he wishes to tell God about how unfit we are. Even when you say, when you fall, his, his, his job is to tell God, that, now look, at your, look, at this, look at your children, look at your son, look at your daughter. She failed here, he failed there. But when Christ looks at a believer, rather when God looks at a believer, he must look at me through the lens of Christ. He must look at me and say, I see no sin in him. Why? Because the blood of Jesus has taken away all sin, all sins that he said in Hebrews, the eighth chapter, and again, in 10, in, in the 10th chapter, where the father said, their sins and our, their iniquities, I will remember no more. So Christ died for my past sins, my present sins, and my future sins because he is the substitute. And when he said on the cross, it's finished, it was finished. There's no more work for me to do. What, what God requires from me is to receive the love, receive the righteousness, receive the blessedness, and believe. Believe on what he's done, and we can walk in victory. So let's go now to uh, the Old Testament. The Bible said the Old Testament was written for our learning. It's our example as we see the Bible characters, and we're going to look at David today, and how he, how he faced adversity. When David was being chased by Saul, he went into the enemy's land, and he was able to convince the Philistines that, you know what, I'll, I'll work for you to convince the Philistine king that I'll work for you. In other words, I'll fight for you. And if you just let me live here, let my family and my friends come. And the Bible says that he had, uh, his, all the men that he had come, they were, they were in debt. They were disgusted. They were uh, frustrated with life. And they enjoyed with David because they saw a man who had a light heart as they did, a light heart for God. And they enjoyed themselves, and they became a mighty army. So the Philistines said, hey, we got this man. We know this is the David that killed Goliath. This is the David that uh, destroys, destroyed uh, Israel's enemies. And so the Philistine king said, yes, come on over. I got a work for you to do. But David, as he went to go out his, in many of his campaigns, we're going to start in 1 Samuel 30, uh, verse 1. And he's returning back home. They were turning back to, uh, no doubt, with, with all of the things that they had taken from uh, the enemy. And they were bringing it back to family, probably celebrating. And here it is in verse 30. As they got close to home, there was an awful surprise that was waiting on them. 1 Samuel 30, verse 1. And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag, 
on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, David's home, and they smote. In other words, they, uh, they, 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 they attacked it and it was forced and burned it, to, burned it with fire and had taken the women captive that were therein. They slew not either. They didn't kill anyone, neither great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. They come back home after another campaign out in the field, and I can imagine again, they were celebrating and said, man, I can't wait to get home to hug my kiss my wife, hug my children, and just sleep in my own bed. And when they get back home, everything was burned to the ground, and not a soul was left for them. Not a soul. Not, not one. They took the old, the young, uh, 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 would you name it, they took it. That's how sometimes the enemy would come, seek to do. He'll come and seem like like a flood come in and just wipe out everything that we have. But always know when we have God on our side, the scripture says, if God be for us, who can be against us? For one of us can take a thousand and two ten thousand. First Samuel 30 and verse 3. So David and his men came to the city and behold, it was burned with fire and their wives and sons and daughters were taken captive. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. Can you imagine crying and weeping, thinking about my babies are gone, my children are gone, my wife is gone, uh, are those intending to get married, everybody's gone, and now they are thinking about, my God, God how, could, how could this thing happen? And again, many times stuff happens and, you know, we begin to blame ourselves or look to blame somebody else about why stuff happens in our life. But I want to tell you, we live in a fallen world. Stuff happens in this life that you cannot explain. That, that uh, Sometimes you can't explain why, why, uh, why sickness comes or why stuff that happens. But know that when you're in the body of Christ, we live under, under the banner and the protection of God. And though the enemy may come, he will not stay. For ultimately, we will be victor. And the more we learn of God, the more we learn of his, his blessing, his prosperity, his protection. And we begin to speak the word over our lives. Pray the blessings and the keepings of God. For yes, the righteous will fall several times. But the Lord said he'll lift us up. It doesn't matter how many times you fall. You, just, you fall 20 times. Just get up 21. You can fall seven. Just make sure you get up eight. And continue on this walk. For we're going to seek God in the end. And we'll see him in peace. And be able to say. That's our desire. That's my desire. To say that God say. Well done. Thou good and faithful servant. Because you kept the faith. You got to finish your course. And you got to walk this walk. No matter what the trial or tribulation may be. Knowing God never leaves us alone. Alright. Now verse number five. And David's two wives were also taken. Ahoam, the Jezreelist, excuse me, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. Verse number six, and David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the souls of the people was grieved. Every man for his son, every man for his daughter. But the last stanza, verse number six says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. I'm going to read verse 6 again. And David, I'm, I'm sorry, and David was greatly distressed. In other words, the pressure, 
of caring many times in leadership whether you you all of us are leaders in some sort or another you can become so depressed on a job and you know you got a program you got a plan to go and people just you know no, by no fault of your own the project doesn't work the plan doesn't come through you could be running the business and the economy goes down and you having to lay off people and you you know you you, you sort of take on all of the pressure of paying and you, you try to pay keep people on salary but you know the money gets low and you know sometimes the, the need is more than the supply and we begin to look and condemn ourselves because we know that when when you are a, a, a business owner you not only take on the responsibility of, of uh, keeping that business moving and and, and thank, praise God, it, it applies for your family. But when others workers come in, now their families are depending on your business. But the issue that we cannot take is the responsibility. That's when Jesus said, in, that, uh, uh, rather the apostle said, he said, cast your cares upon him, for he cares much for us. All our cares. He said, cast them on. So James 4 and even 1 Peter 5, where he talks about the cares of us, how that we have to have that ability to say, you know, I can't handle this. It's when we reach the end of ourselves. It's when we reach the point and, and our eyes finally come open. Now, we, they should be open beforehand, before we hit the wall and realize, I can't move this brick wall. Lord, help. But we should enter into every fight saying, Lord, this is not my fight. It's yours. I'm your child. Daddy, help me. Daddy, give me understanding and wisdom and knowledge. Give me, Lord, uh, uh, the ability to work this job, and, and I decree the blessing of God. I decree the, 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 the hand of God. I decree prosperity over, my, over everything that my hands touch. And then we hear God, we get God's instructions, and we hear and get leadings on which way to go. And we're going to read later on how that the scripture says that the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you into all truth, and he will show you things to come. We need the power of God, and that power comes through the Holy Spirit. Yes, we have God, as I spoke earlier. You can go to heaven without the Holy Spirit. I mean, what I mean by that, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Any man or woman that's born of God, you have the Spirit. But if you want the power that's spoken of in Matthew 28 and the power that's spoken of in, uh, in Acts, if you want to see the power of God actively moving in your life, then you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it's free for all of us. Only thing we have to do is ask and receive. So in, the, in that um, sixth verse, it says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. David began to praise God and to thank God and say, Lord, you're, you're able. You never failed us. All of us can look at one point in life or another and be able to say, I don't know how I got this promotion. But, but knowing that it was the hand of God. But in and of ourselves, and in and of myself, I can too can look on my life and say, Lord, look where you brought me from. Look where I was last week, last year, 10 years ago. And now I look now. Many of us, evil words were spoken of you when you got married. Evil words were spoken of you as a child, saying you'd never be nothing. You'd never have nothing. Condemning words. Condemning words were spoken. And whenever condemnation comes, we have to learn to rise up and say, not so, because that's not a part of grace. Condemnation is not a part of grace. I'll never be, you say, I'll never be nothing. I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. 
The only way, way, way to uh, speak against a thought is with a word. If you want to stop bad thoughts, speak the word to them. When the word, as it says in Isaiah 55, it says that uh, 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 how that when things come against us, he says that we shall condemn. We shall condemn. We shall condemn. We must use our words as a weapon and put up the shield of the word. I'm talking about speaking the word of God, not just your words, but the words of God. And said, that's not what God promised me. Sickness and disease are not mine. As I quoted before, Psalms 103 says, bless the Lord, O my soul. Psalms 103, 1, 2, and 3 says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of my benefits. For he forgiven me of all of my iniquities. He forgives me of all of my iniquities. And he healeth me of all my diseases. We must, you must get the word of God in your mouth. So that when Satan rises against you, against you, when issues come up, be able to speak by faith. This is not the will of God for me. And then it says in the seventh verse, and David said to Abiathar the priest, Amalek's son, I pray thee, bring hither the ephod. And the ephod was like a, uh, lack of a better word, like a vest that the priest would wear. But here David was the king. He said, bring me the ephod. After he had praised God, and again, the best thing to do whenever you come into a pray, come into a, a, a trial or a tribulation or a problem confronts you before you ask. Begin to praise and give thanks to God, telling him about uh, uh, how he's brought you uh, out in the past, reminding him, Lord, you are the mighty God. You said in your word in Psalms 89, 34, you said the, the words that come on my lips, you said, I will not change. God said, I'm not going to change. I'm not going to break the vow I spoke. The covenant that I gave to you, I'm not going to break it because I am my word. John 1 and 1 says, in the beginning was the word. The word was God. The word is God. The word walks among us, walks among us because God is his word. St. John 1 and 1. So in the eighth verse it says, and David inquired at the Lord. David, first he praised him, then he asked of him, and then he says, and the Lord, and, and, and David inquired of the Lord, saying, should I pursue after this truth? In other words, Lord, should I go after? Now, some things that are taken away from us, you shouldn't go after, you shouldn't chase it down. Some of the relationships that are broken, you should leave them, pray for them, wish them love, wish them uh, better days. But you should let that person go. Sometimes you got to let Johnny go. Sometimes you got to let Lucille go. You got to, whoever she is, whoever he is, whoever they are, some relationships are, are not for your future. So David said, Lord, shall we, shall we follow after them? Shall we pursue after this truth? Knowing that his sons, his daughters, his wives had been taken. It's not that, you know, again, it's not that you said, oh, well, but no, David said, I got to know the heart of God. Some things that God has, takes from us and hides from us and says, okay, this relationship is over. When he says it's over, leave it alone. Well, I guess I need to, no, let it go. I guess I, I I'm going to go make people, no, let it go. Love them, as I said before. Pray for them. But keep it moving. And David cried at the Lord in verse 8 saying, Shall I pursue after this truth? 
Shall I overtake them? And he answered, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail, recover it all. Recover it all, rather. Because David was able to get to God because he got out of condemnation. He got out of the pressure and the depression, and he rose up with the praise. He, when he began to encourage himself, he rose up with the praise. And then, with the praise, he came to God with the fruit of his lips. He, 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 he magnified God. He didn't say here what he said, but he said he encouraged himself in the Lord. And now David's ready. He spoke to God, and God spoke to him and said, Pursue, and you are going to recover all. Not only did he recover all, as you, we, I'm not going to read the rest of this story, but you can in, again, 1 Samuel 30. He not only, they not only recovered their goods, but they recovered all the goods that the enemy had taken. They stripped them. Not only did he get his family and all of that, those things, the things that were stolen, but God replenished him more than, he, than what he lost. Let's go on now. And again, I want to go back to what I said earlier about the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is was sent for us as our comforter. In St. John 14, 16, it says, Jesus began to say, I will pray the Father. Now, can you imagine Jesus praying for you? That's what he did. He prayed for us, all believers. He said, I, he, he was talking to the disciples, but he was including us. We are part of the household of faith. We are not cast off and, you know, we just uh, uh, second, secondary. God has no secondary or stepchildren. We all are sons and daughters of God. We all are kings. That's the uh, sisters and the brethren in the Lord. We all are to rule and to reign. When Jesus left, he said, occupy till I come. In other words, whatever your hands find to do, do it. Whatever position or occupation you are in, God said, occupy. Through our Lord and Savior, occupy till I come. In other words, we don't, we're not, we're not, we shouldn't just go to just be there, go on, go on to get along. But we should go saying, you know what? I want the kingdom of God, as the Lord said in, in, in the Lord's prayer in Matthew 6. When they asked him, Lord, teach us how to pray. He said, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, the saints are ruling and reigning. On earth, we should do the same. 16th verse now as we begin ready to close. It says, I pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. That meaning God in us. Even the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit will not lie to you. He will not speak against anything that, that the Lord, that, that of the scripture. If you ever want to uh, be able to rightly divide the word of truth or uh, determine whether a prophecy or whether a, a dream or a vision you've received is of God, compare it to uh, what's written in the word. Compare it to what's written. Compare it to what's spoken in, in the word. If it goes against the word, it's not of God. Whether it's, I don't care what prophet, I don't care what preacher, I don't care what dream, I don't care who had the dream. If it does not line up with the scripture, it's not of God. Verse 17 says, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth in you, and shall be in you. And I will, leave, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Now let's go down to the, uh, again, St. John 16, 13. 
he talks again about the Holy Spirit. St. John 16, 13, how be it? When the Spirit of truth, talking about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, when he has come, he will guide you into all truth. In other words, he will show you the way, the path. If you want to find your purpose, go to God. Go to the word of God. Here, the spirit of God agrees with God. He knows the purpose of God. And he shall not speak of himself. He's going to speak of God. He's going to speak what he hears God says. Because he is, the Holy Spirit is God. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. If you want to know what's coming and you're a believer, say, Father, help me. Lead me, guide me. Show me the way. Is this the job that I should take? Is this the person that I should marry? Is this the relationship I should go into? Should I start this business? Should I? Lord, it, it, what should I do? Help me to raise these kids. Help me to walk in love. Help me to uh, uh, mend, this, mend this, uh, this relationship. Then he goes on to say in the 14th verse, He shall not, he shall glorify me, for he shall not speak of himself, and shall show it unto you. Now the last verse we're going to go to is Acts 1, 1 through 8. I'm going to read this as we close. The promise that Jesus gave in St. John 14 and in 16, Fulfilled in Acts 1, 1 through 8. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all met with one accord. They were all with one accord in one place. In other words, all the believers, this is now Jesus has, has uh, arisen, has appeared to the saints, and now he had prepared to for 40 days. Now they are, uh, uh, now 50 days after the resurrection. And the day of Pentecost was fully come. They were all with one accord, one place. Verse 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues. This was just a, it was symbolic. In other words, it was a, uh, it was a manifestation of the spirit that had entered into them. Although it lit upon their, soul, upon their shoulders, it was the spirit going into them. So they had a manifestation that the eyes could see of a spiritual uh, manifestation on the inside of them. So today, we might, you might not see the cloven tongue because the Holy Spirit is now. He's in the earth. This was his first appearance to all who believe. Before, there were a select few that were filled. But now, the believer now is empowered. He's for all men who will receive Christ and ask for him. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. If you ask for him, he'll come. But if you don't ask, he's not coming. And they appeared unto him like cloven tongues, like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And they're all filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. The Spirit filled them, but to speak in tongues, you've got to give it, you got to give it sound. Just like the Bible. The word of God is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, even to the dividing of son of soul and spirit, even the thoughts and intents of the heart. For the Word of God to work through you, you got to speak it. Speak. That's what God our Father did in the book of uh, Genesis. God said, then it happened. He wants us to speak the word. And we are empowered with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will come to you. If you're saved today, you have a right as a child of God to be filled with his spirit. Let's pray today. If anyone who's not, not saved, we just always go to Romans uh 10 and 8, where it talks about 
Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Father, we just pray for those who listen today. If they're not saved, I pray, Lord, that they would be filled with they would be uh, uh, filled with desire first. For you said, "No man cometh unto me except, except my Father which is in heaven draw them." And I believe you are drawing men and women from all walks of life, every race, every creed, to be saved, and not only to be saved, Lord, but to be filled with the Holy Ghost and that with fire. That no weapon that formed against himself prosper, that every tongue that rises up against them, they shall condemn. I pray they be filled with the Holy Spirit and they will walk in love with all men. We thank you, God, for this day, this Resurrection Sunday. And we thank you, Lord, that you are with us and you will never leave us. Until next time, in Jesus' name, amen.